This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. What a beautiful time of the year. Indeed, I love the summer, don't we all? Spectacular. And, uh, you know, people take vacations, travel is hot, enjoy the good weather. Um, but don't ever take your eye off the ball. And uh, you know what, what I mean by that is uh, we're in the wealth building business. Um, it is your responsibility to work safe and invest. And then it's our responsibility to help you invest wisely and prudently. Uh, it's a bull market. I said it's a bull market. So just focus on saving and investing and then uh, hire good people like Jack and I to help navigate the market. Uh, a lot of negativism out there. Wall of worry is what the market is climbing. Sandy McIntyre, he's seen a few bear markets in his days. Former strategist with a CI Investments, uh, now spends his time devoted to philanthropy, golf, and every now and then hanging out with Jack and I on Hi-Fi Radio. Sandy, welcome back, man. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, always nice to uh, think about reality in the middle of July when everything looks sunny. It's, you know, reality is interesting. Uh, our reality, my reality, is looking at stock charts and direction of prices. Uh, the name of the game is to buy stuff that's going up and get out of stuff that is going down. Um, here at home, Sandy, the Canadian market, it is languishing. Uh, chart after chart looks awful. Unless you're timber, engineering, um, the odd tech stock. Finning, the, finning looks okay, which is, again, materials. And Yeah, materials, right. Finning looks okay, but uh, the banks... Awful. The pipelines, awful. Utilities, not so good. Um, well, we looked at the market, Wolf, and the TSX hasn't done anything in, what, I think two years, basically? So no bull market at home, Sandy. Uh, yet south of the border, NASDAQ up 31% year-to-date. S&P 500 up 17% year-to-date. The Dow Industrial, on the other hand, is acting more like the TSX. Uh, it's up about 4% year-to-date. So, Sandy, with all of your wisdom, your five decades of experience, help us make sense of it. Okay, um, I'm going to use one of my personal holdings as an example. Um, I own Bank of Montreal stock. Uh, in part Sorry for your loss. I was uh, <laughs> bought by Burns Fry, and when Burns Fry was bought by Bank of Montreal, I got uh, shares in, the, in BMO. Um, hmm. It typically grows its earnings at 5 to 7% annually. Yep. Uh, it has a dividend of 4.9%. Mm-hmm. And it trades at a PE of 11 times. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you flip a PE into a concept that most people understand, which is an uh, which is yield, um, get my artificial brain out. Uh, one divided by 11 equals nine. So it's got an earnings yield of nine percent. In a world where short-term interest rates are 5%, uh, it's got a dividend yield of just under 5%, and the dividend has grown annually for something like 150 years. 150 uh, years, Sandy. That's a gr- I love that. Thank you for that. You know, it's uh, short-term thinking with these Canadian banks is amazing. Ten years ago, the Canadian banks had a dividend payout, uh, a dollar payout that's about 40% of what it is today. Flip that around. In the last 10 years, Canadian banks, Sandy, you know this with your BMO position, have more than doubled their dividend. Uh, and I, I've actually, it's, it's so incredible, Sandy, that how long have you owned that BMO position? 
Um, well, this particular position I've only own, owned since 2020. Oh. Um, when, we, when we sold Century, I gave away my entire stock portfolio to charity um, on the basis that I had a wee tax bill to deal with. Uh, the uh, You gave away your entire stock portfolio to charity on retirement. Yeah. I love that. I really like uh, that. You obviously, you obviously do well on the on the sale of your business or your ownership within that business. But uh, you know, some you were blessed and you returned the blessings. God bless you, my friend. That's huge, Sandy. That's, that's Sandy McIntyre. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, but it's, Sandy, I remember when I was at one of the big banks and uh, they had some clients who, you know, for decades uh, sat on bank stock so much so that they owned some of the clients who owned stock since the eighties and late seventies, whereby they had a cost base of what six dollars, and those same banks did. They have an annual dividend pay of almost $6. In other words, today's dividend is almost the same as the share price was some 50 years ago. Uh, yeah. So no, they're, they're money-making machines, but the market doesn't care. And that is what behooves me. The market really, it, it is pushing them down. See, I own Scotia, I own CIBC, I own TD Bank. Now, TD Bank stumbled with its U.S. bank uh, acquisition it was trying to make during the regional banking crisis, so stock got knocked down. So I'm going to give that one a bit of a pass. But Scotia, near 52-week lows. CIBC, near 52-week lows. And higher dividend payout than, than your BMO. They're both yielding almost 6% and have a P.E. ratio, I'm going to say, of around 9 uh, which means an earnings yield of 11. But what I would say, you know, the message that Sandy is coming across with with his BMO story or analogy, uh, 9% earnings mm-hmm. yield, which is huge. Yep. Uh, call it 5% dividend. Yep. They're using their share, the rest of that cash, to either buy back shares yep. or make acquisitions. So again, creating value for the shareholder. But the market doesn't but care. My point is, know what you own, know why you own it, oh. and the market will, who cares if the market agrees with you if you know what the value of the stock is? Well, I guess the... Uh Analogy I'm going to use because I'm a pet owner and uh, my poor little pooch was frightened by the rain. So we ended up in our bed last night. That's, that's very rare that we allow Baxter in our bed, but poor dog was panting and shivering so much. We had to show him some more love. He's a beautiful dog. He is indeed. Um, but they all say every dog can have its day. Uh, I, I do believe, and I'm saying you're going to agree with me, I, I believe too, uh, if you buy any of the big six Canadian banks today, and I'd say probably national being the least because that's actually been the strongest, but if you buy uh, BMO, if you buy CIBC or Scotia, you close your eyes for, I think, five years, you're going to do very, very well. And I think you're going to do much better than owning a GIC uh, without question. And, and purchase le- matter or purchase level matters, Wolf, and if you're buying them when they're out of favor, that only increases the probability of having a, a long-term favorable outcome. Except you are, you know, and this, this is the challenge, isn't it, Sandy? You know, are they falling knives you know are you trying to buy up a, a beaten up sector uh, with with the wrong direction uh, uh, in play i ask you sandy um, I, I ask yourself is this a business that is sustainable yep. and is going to be used by the next generation yep. and a subsequent generation of of the canadian population yep um, I, I wrote an article in oh, almost a decade ago called Invest in Purchasing Power. The title was taken from a Barron's article of the late 1920s written by a Boston investment council by the name of Van Strum. And the the example he was giving was of a wise retired investor who invested in safe bonds during a period of rising inflation. he found that because his investments were fixed income, he was unable to sustain his standard of living. Uh, when my mom retired at age 65, uh, she had 
I think, uh, two or three bonds. But the majority of our assets were in high-quality, sustainable businesses. And, and, you know, think about the activities of your daily life. Um, I use electricity. It doesn't, I don't stop using it. I, I use natural <laughs> gas. I don't stop using it. I have an unfortunate fondness for scotch. Um, I invest in the businesses that I consume. And I get dividends from those businesses. Um, and the businesses pay me so that I can pay them back. Um, I, I know that my costs go up annually. The bottle of Johnny Walker Black that cost X last year is one point. 05x today. It goes up 5-7% annually. Uh, inflation is a structural fact of life. Uh, when it gets a little out of control, the businesses that actually have purchasing power can increase their prices and pass it on to the consumers. And that, that's where you want to... Good concept. Yeah, no, I say you just saw that with Pepsi this week, Wolfgang. So they, they came out with good, strong guidance. They've got a great brand, and people like salty snacks. And you know what? They're willing to pay an extra you know, 5% typically a year for that. And, and you've seen it with, again, Coke. That's a Warren Buffett stock. But uh, Pepsi's a great example just this past week. Yeah, there's another company that hit the tape this week as well, Jack, that uh, raised prices and the stock moved favorably uh, on the announcement. Uh, show's Hi-Fi Radio, a uh, show about money. Uh, it is our passion and focus to help you build wealth. And we bring on the finest uh, minds uh, that Jack and I have rubbed shoulders with on Bay Street uh, over the decades that we've spent on Bay Street. Cindy McIntyre is one such individual, former strategist with a CI Investments. He has been working on Bay Street since the 70s. And uh, well, that was a period when you had rapidly rising inflation, a stagnant economy and rising interest rates. And uh, a very challenged uh, labor market. Uh, some similarities today, lots of differences. It's a great time to, well, talk about money. Yeah, Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Going to take a quick break. Get back to Sandy McIntyre. Of course, I'm Wolfgang Klein. Jack Hartle, right by my side. Any questions, by the way, for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. Welcome back. A little shout out to Kim Mitchell, turned 71 this week. Yeah, he's still rocking. He's going up to the key, which is now by Live Nation, Wolf. That's, that's a great uh, story that you brought to me, Jack. Uh, key to Bella, uh, iconic live venue uh, for those who hang in Muskoka during the summer. And uh, Kim, yeah, frequently opened it for the season. But the Live Nation uh, going to be refurbishing that uh, building, I take it, Jack? Well, they took ownership of it, and I would say, uh, based on my last experiences there, they'll probably be doing some some refurbishments that are overdue. But uh, yeah, classic venue. Uh, hopefully, they bring up uh, some new people to the lineup. I love music. Music is so powerful. Uh, indeed, it is. Sandy McIntyre, he's also passionate about music. And uh, I will say, Sandy, you grew up in a great era of music production. Um, yeah. What's, your, what's one of your favorite tunes that brings you right back, Sandy? A song that you just don't tire of? Um. Girl from Ipanema. Uh, sorry? The Girl from Ipanema. Stan Getz. Uh, Astrid Gabalto. I am so stumped. 
I am so, so, that's like a venture stock that you're pulling out here for me. I was hoping you were going to come up with some, <laughs> a hit of some sort, like a NASDAQ listed at least. Oh, you're going deep album cuts. All right, that's Sandy McIntyre for you. Thinks for himself, I like it. Uh, again, I, co- I actually, uh, Wolf, yeah? uh, there used to be a restaurant, uh, Sherburn and Dundas area, called George's. And um, we would go in there to get takeout um, after skiing on Sundays. Uh, it was actually a jazz club. Oh, wow. And you'd go in there, and um, the, the the bands would be rocking. Uh, it was, it, you know, Toronto had an absolutely astonishing music scene in the 60s and 70s. Yep, it did. And, um, Up you know, in Yorkville, I, hey, Bob Dylan hanging out with Neil Young. and uh, Oh, yeah, so some names came through this town. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Beautiful, 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 well, beautiful moments. One other theme that I'd like to touch on mm-hmm. is uh, amateurs trying to time the stock market. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it, it, if you miss the 10% of really good days, you're wasting your time. Um, and if you panic in the 10% of really bad days, you're an idiot. Um what the stock market is, is a measure of pricing the real economy. And when you want to outperform the stock market, you need to be invested in those areas of the real economy that are growing at a greater rate than the economy as a whole. I call that new economy. Hmm. And you want to avoid those areas of the economy that are stagnating or deteriorating. I call that old economy. I have no interest in being invested in coal mines. I have a lot of interest in um, investing in areas where data and services are converging. And um, That's a cool line. Unfortunately, that means you're going to have to be invested in large NASDAQ companies. No, nothing wrong with my Microsoft and Apple and uh, no. Meta. Meta looks incredible in here. And uh, Morgan Stanley just upgraded both Google and Meta, uh, just showing the power and strength of their AI investments to date uh, and a lot more coming and uh, a lot of unknowns. And, and that's amazing, eh, when you buy the mystery and sell the history. That's really what yeah. tech is all about, the mystery, eh, Jack? Absolutely. Uh, and you look at what's going on with electrification, electrification. Those names are standing out because they've got a long runway in front of them. You mentioned, I think, Eaton Corp was a, a good example. Uh, Quanta and then, was another one that we do you recently get, do you identified. Do those stocks, uh, Sandy? Uh, we just picked them up. Uh, they were just technically screening well and fundamentally not looking too, uh, too shabby. A company called uh, Quanta. They're involved in the electrification. And the same with the Eaton Corp. Uh, are you familiar with those? Because they're obviously tying very, very well into this whole electrification theme. Just a uh, picks and axes uh, type uh, industry. Any comments? on that, uh, Sandy? Yeah, I, I, was, I was driving into uh, Toronto yesterday to visit my mom, and um, I passed a really cool Eaton truck um, with what looked like a robot on the side of it, and um, it was talking about um, heavy-duty cabling, uh, which is just part of reality. Um, if you want to go up the supply chain, um, I would have a quiet position in copper. Uh, I like, co- how would you play copper, Sandy? Because I'm frustrated. The, the, the copper charts are sloppy. I'm looking at Lundin. I'm looking at Ivanhoe. I'm going to say copper is sloppy because of the near term. We're talking about a slowing economy, inverted yield curve, which means it's, it's typically a good signal that the economy is going to go into recession. So that's why you get the sloppy charts, Wolf. Long term, again, what Sandy's talking about is building out the infrastructure. No, I know. I, I want copper, but I'm asking so how I'm going to say you got to look through the short term noise to find, obviously, the good quality companies. And the, the question of who is a good question for Sandy. Yeah. So, so who, how would you play it, Sandy? 
I'm not close enough. Um, I, I would be going to my former metals portfolio manager, John Case, and asking him to give me uh, a decent retail way of, of playing um, the copper story. Yeah, I like copper. I agree with you. Just, uh, Lundin looks interesting. Uh, Ivanhoe Mines looks interesting. First Quantum, interesting. But these mining companies have so many uh, exogenous problems being thrown. First Quantum just got to whack with some uh, a threat of taking their water away from them. Uh, by yeah, the say, local, jurisdictions by the local, are certainly oh. an issue with. But again, that's why, just as Sandy said, retail investors trying to do it themselves oh, typically cause themselves a lot of problems. Yeah. Sandy himself would go to an expert. No, what no. was what was the comment I said before we left the office today? If we're going to get into Lundin or First Quantum, right. we have an analyst. Yep, let's give him a call. Which, which, we which is the resource we, we have, and, and retail doesn't, and we will use it uh, without question. Uh, but you know, copper does look interesting. Home builders, Sandy, look interesting, but also construction materials. Uh, Carlisle Company, uh, they make house wraps and uh, I think steel girders and stuff like that. Uh, that name has some uh, muscle behind it right now. So does another company called MP Materials. Uh, so well, what's your derivative play there, Sandy? Um, I don't have a derivative play on that. Uh, though, to me, uh, housing is all about location. Um, housing in the Midwest is facing a declining population base as they migrate to more prosperous climes. And you, you can drive through cities like Grand Bluffs, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the Hamilton uh, type city outside of uh, Chicago, where U.S. Steel is located, and, and you're going to see vacant downtown buildings. You're going to see vacant houses um, hmm. and stuff getting overgrown. Um, it's it's hmm. it's a bit like Detroit was or Buffalo 20, wow. 20 years ago, and it's like Buffalo. Um, so if I'm going to expose myself to a real estate type investment, I want to be in areas with population growth. Uh, I want to be in areas where you're getting intensification. Um, I'm not sure that urban sprawl is a theme that I really want to go to. So I'm less interested in stick-built frame houses than multi-res in an urban environment. Why, sorry, why is that, Sandy? Uh, the commuting times, um, although with the current fashion for work from home, um, commuting times may be less of an issue. <laughs> Not in uh, Toronto. <laughs> no, sir. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but the point Sandy's uh, making is you, you follow the migration of people. Where do they want to be? Do they want to be? They want to be in the Sun Belt, right? They're, you know, you've down been on top of that well, Jack. In terms Florida's of, obviously a, a growing population. What about Dallas, Arizona? Texas, Arizona growing? Arizona, I believe. How is about that too. heat wave in Arizona? Are you kidding me? It's hitting like I think forty-five this week. But even even the Northeast, people are moving there because it's relatively expensive to these more affordable type states. And if companies are willing to to relocate as well or allow you to partially work from whatever the case is, uh, people are going there. No different than the stock market. You talk about banks right now, Wolf. Money is not going there. They're relatively cheap. Money, you follow the money flow. Right? I, 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 so, I go back so to the banks, I, agreed. So yeah. one thing, you can have stocks that are not performing as long as there's good value, you believe in the long-term story. No. But you also need to follow trend. I, the, I totally, we'll talk about the electrification type of stories or EVs, whatever the case is. Uh, as long as you don't get too caught up in a story 
and overpay because that's typically what retail does. Uh, Sandy, uh, a couple other things that are catching my attention. Number one, um, we have a big position in Ferrari. Uh, the stock is now trading at 45 times earnings. Every day the stock goes up, and I say, should I sell the stock or ride the trend? And I'm riding the trend. But uh, have you seen the power behind that uh, little automotive company? And they only produce what some... I don't know, 50,000 cars a year or something like that? Or maybe six. It's a small, small amount of cars. Yeah, they're 600 grand a pop. Uh, 600 euro, Wolf. Uh, no, 400,000 euro. 600 Canadian. Yeah, well, 600 Canadian. Oh, okay. uh, one year waitlist minimum. And, uh, you know, people still want the combustible, yet the, they're trying to electrify. But it, it's, it's an odd one for me. It's a winner that I'm sort of perplexed with. Uh, what, what's your take uh, on, on such a brand? I think I'd take my capital off the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, if, if you want if you want the exposure, just let the profits ride. Uh, the, 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 I look at brands like that, which are very niche, and would treat them as highly cyclical mm-hmm. entities that people are prone to overpay for because of, of the glamour of them. Yeah, I've, I've never been an investor in glamour personally. I've, I've wanted sort of as I keep repeating, I want to own the structures of everyday life. And a Ferrari is not part of the structure of everyday life. You know, I was ever into glam rock. Remember glam rock? We started with oh, music. Yeah. <laughs> glam rock. <laughs> what was that all about, eh, Sandy? Um, uh, industrials. I, I, never uh, the, I never had the hair to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I never had the stature to do it. Um, uh, the industrial landscape across the board looks pretty healthy. Uh, airlines are, are, are grouped into that space. Of course, airlines uh, have disappointed less. Things got less bad. And of course, everyone's traveling. Um, the, you want to talk about a rental category. Uh, boy, I'm renting those seats. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of the airlines up here, Sandy McIntyre? Um, I don't think of them. I've never deemed airlines to be an investable asset. Yep. Uh, they're very highly levered. Um, yep. you know, they don't own the planes. They lease them. Uh, and uh, they have a replacement cycle of roughly 10 to 15 years. Um, then they get rotated into lesser airlines. Uh, when I was traveling after university, I can remember being in an ex-American airlines um, uh, 707 flying into Nepal from Burma <laughs> uh, on Air Burma with the Burmese pilot talking with a Texas accent. Oh, God. Uh, That's funny. So it's, uh, how, how old was the bird that you were flying? Uh, I would say it was probably about 20, 25 years old. Yeah, no, because I, I took a, a flight, um, I think, to Hawaii. And it was, and, uh, I can't remember the airline I was on, but the plane looked a little tattered on the inside. And I asked the stewardess, because there's little parts coming off the wall, a little molding strip no longer there, a little duct tape holding up a few things. I, honestly, I was concerned. I said, how old is this airplane? And she's only about 23 years old. Didn't make me feel a whole lot better, but we can all get the flu. I say there's people flying Cessnas around that are over 50 years old, and they're, I'm going to say, quite comfortable if it was doing a that. Beaver, but the point, if it was a beaver, yeah, I'd you're be okay, okay with, the, with it. But, but the point that Sandy makes, capital-intensive businesses typically aren't good investments. Uh, airlines in particular, they measure, when you actually measure the valuation of an airline, it's measured off of EBITDA, which considers um, replacement cost. And it's one of the very few industries that you actually do that. But the, the point being, you talked about we're in a bull market, Wolf. Home builders, industrials, a lot of these companies that benefit from the economy doing well or being more resilient than expected, you're getting some early signs that they continue to improve. Uh, Sandy, yeah. uh, you're going to be our uh, young and on the show today because our next guest, I think, has about 10 more years of experience than you. His name is Don Vilo. Uh, 
I want to thank you for your time. I'm sorry about the get to commercial break. And, uh, well, this is a utility round here as well. And we're going to pay the bills. Cindy McIntyre, uh, strategist formerly with uh, CI Investments, now uh, spending his life's efforts on philanthropic work. A very generous man, big heart, and uh, an even bigger brain. Have a great weekend, my friend. Uh, we are going to get to Don Bilo lined up right after the break and talk about seasonality and uh, Slightly shorter-term trends in the markets. Hi-Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Please, any questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. Grab your coat and snatch your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Welcome back, my friends. May you always be on the sunny side of the street. Uh, thank you, Frank, for that. Don Vilo, uh, market technician, long-standing friend of the Wolf on Bay Street, uh, also retired. But uh, I think Don, you work harder now publishing uh, than you ever worked. Uh, you just keep on trucking. You're you're like Kim Mitchell, who, by the way, is playing this weekend up at uh, the Key de Bella. Uh, now, Kim's only 71, <laughs> but he rocks and you rock. And I, I read your work every day. I appreciate your work. I like your work, Don. Um, yeah, it, it's a fantastic uh, synopsis of what happened uh, in the market that day. Uh, a lot of great charts to uh, look at and pay attention to. Uh, you know, it's funny. My last guest, uh, his name, Don, was uh, Sandy McIntyre. He's a former strategist at uh, CI Investments. You know Sandy McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sandy does a lot of thinking. He really likes to think things through. We all think, of course. But uh, I believe uh, I like to get clues from the market as to my next move. In other words, I, let them, I try to listen to the market and let the market tell me what to buy. Um, what do you think of that philosophy, Don, being a market technician that you are? Yeah, you're talking about market sentiment. And yeah, sentiment can have a big impact on how you look at markets and, and where to go. I mean, the classic example is there's a there's a indicator which actually measures uh, equity sentiment in the U.S. markets. It's called the CNN Fear and Greed Index, and it's been fascinating how that works over a long period of time. Uh, fear, of course, the score on the index is is one. Uh, at maximum uh, greed is 100. So right now, latest score for the uh, fear and greed index for the S&P 500 is 79. So it's moving up towards greed. Eh? We're getting greedy. Yeah. In fact, they currently call it extreme greed. Extreme greed. Yeah. What do, what do you think of that? We're here, here we are in the month of July. July tends to be uh, a good month based on the work that you've done. I'll give you credit for that. Uh, and also based on the work that you have done in the past, the third year of a presidential cycle uh, is also a very good year in the market. Uh, correct? This is the third year, right? We're in. Yes, it is. Exactly. The third year has historically been the best year for both Canadian and for U.S. equity markets. And uh, we're certainly following that, that pattern uh, once again, uh, particularly in the summertime. There's a period of sim- summer uh, strength in both Canadian and U.S. equity markets. The, uh, it's the period is from the last week in June to the last week in July. And historically, that's been uh, we've seen about a 2% gain in both the TSX composite and the S&P 500 index during that period. And we're following that pattern once again this year. Uh, Don, let's talk about a couple of things. Again, my last guest, Sandy McIntyre, I brought up Canadian banks. Canadian banks are cheap. And if you're a thinker, 
you would back up the truck on Canadian banks. But you'd probably a week later look at your purchases and see lower prices. Um, they're not working. Uh, so the market's fascinating because stuff that looks cheap, well, uh, it's there for a reason and it's not working. And stuff that looks expensive is getting more expensive. I own Ferrari. I spoke to my last guest about that. It looks ridiculously priced, not as expensive as Tesla, uh, but it's an expensive stock and every day it clocks higher. Uh, are, you, are you paying attention to that stock, uh, Symbols Race? Yeah, you're right. What's happening is the, uh, should we say technology stocks, which uh, that story is definitely a part of, they have been on a, a real rip on the upside. Uh, it's been best described by uh, the Magnificent Seven, the seven biggest companies in, that make up the S&P 500. These are all the technology stocks, and they're all ripping higher. Let me list you what they are. There's Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Netflix, Tesla, Amazon, and Facebook. All of them are moving or have been moving significantly higher and now are hugely overbought. So be careful out there because when they eventually do come down, they're heavy weighting in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, and uh, you could have a bit of a correction when they do uh, start correcting. Well, the uh, again, the, the, I, we began this discussion around the position that Jack and I have a good profit built into. It's called Ferrari. It's obviously not a tech stock. It's not part of the um, group of seven. You call the Magnificent Seven a fantastic seven. I'm going to call them the group of seven, being a Canadian that I am. Eh? Um, <laughs> and, but you also have Louis Vuitton, Moïse Chardon. You have... Um, uh, Hermes uh, and uh, uh, Temper, I think it's called, that does um, uh, Coach, uh, another high-end brand. Uh, the, the high-end brands... Tapestry, Wolf. T- tapestry, thank you. Uh, Tapers is symbol, T-A-P-R. Um, so, so this high-end stuff has a lot of muscle behind it. Airlines have momentum behind them. Financials have no love. Those that the banks, uh, both sides of the border, no love. A little more love uh, with the... Uh, U.S. banks, but also up up home, uh, our, our pipelines. Uh, Sandy McIntyre, our last guest, was saying he likes to buy stuff that he consumes every day, which is electricity and natural gas. Uh, these pipeline stocks at home, uh, they look terrible, saying, uh, Don. So speak, I say, let me sp- let me speak to the Ferrari comment there, well, because you often see that you know high end brands when there's economic stress, they still tend to do well, mm-hmm. right? Because their their consumer still consumes their Ferrari. They're on that list and they're not getting off it. Yep. So consumers in a challenging market, challenging economy tend to either trade up, right? They, they buy the Louis Vuitton or they buy the Ferrari. They're not going to stop that purchasing behavior. Mm. Or they, they also trade down. Trade down. down. Yeah. So Dollarama tends to do well. Those yeah. types of T- companies. TGX, TGX looks exactly, looks better, yeah. Right? Yeah. So those types of, you're looking for deals or you don't really care what the price is and they're not price sensitive at all. So they tend to outperform. Did you th- did Don, when you when you have a chance, take a look at Ferrari. Just give me, I'm just curious about your opinion on it. But so you got the high-end brands that are all very, very strong. Uh, what, what about the Canadian pipelines? Uh, Don, what's your opinion there? Training, these are dividend holders, uh, dividend growers, sort of. You know, TransCanada, Enbridge, Pembina. Uh, do you go down the list? Uh, we're not building more pipe. We're not building more rails. There's another sector that looks terrible, Don. Our railway stocks. Uh, we got some problems out there. I mean, it's, uh, some some really really strong stuff. Well, I'm going to say they're competing with higher interest rates, which the Bank of Canada just went out and raised interest rates. Yeah, but, but not the, the rails. End, not the rails. No, no, no. Well, that's a slowing economy, Wolf. That's a slowing economy. It's a sign of a slowing economy. Okay. What right? do you think, Don? Yeah, I think you're onto something here. There's been a bifurcation in both the U.S. and Canadian equity markets. Uh, some areas which we just mentioned have really soared. A lot of other ones haven't done anything, and in, in certain cases, they're starting to show base patterns on on the charts. Mm. A good example, as you mentioned, the the pipeline stocks are in that category. The one that I'm watching closely uh, is the uh, the banking sector. 
uh, both Canada and the United States. It's been fascinating watching uh, the U.S. banks during the last uh, little while. Uh, the uh, KBE, which is a measure, uh, it's an ETF that measures the big cap U.S. banks, uh, on Wednesday of uh, last week, completed what they call a reverse head and shoulders pattern on the charts. In other words, it was hugely oversold, and now it's starting to come out on the upside. And that also is starting to show through in, for the Canadian banks. They're starting to show signs of bottoming after having a, a very difficult period of time on, on the charts. So look for the areas that have been underperforming during the last little while. If you want to park money, because that seems to be the best place to go. It's conservative and it has the best chance of showing gains between now and the end of the year. Yeah, I do think there's an opportunity there. The question is, uh, can you stomach some downside? And you know, some that's what you have to do if you're going to buy equity. That's why you put your toe in the water and uh, you know take a small position to begin with. But I do think that the, the value is being uh, presented uh, quite clearly. Uh, you know, when you uh, reap the rewards, different different question. It may not be this year. Uh, they could have to. Remain in the penalty box this year, but you know those those fantastic seven that you mentioned, Don. They were left for dead December thirty first of twenty twenty two, and boom, like the phoenix rose from the ashes and became so compelling in twenty twenty three. Remarkable, like it, it truly, truly is. Um, talk about bifurcated behavior. Shows Hi Fi Radio show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, host along with my partner Jack Cardle. We manage money. We help people like you build wealth. And uh, well, you get to give money to charity and. Uh, They'll be happier. Happy. If you're happy, then I'm happy. Uh, we bring on the finest guests, uh, pick their brains, get their ideas, people with experience and wisdom. Don Velo is one of those individuals spending some time with us this Saturday night. Hope your weekend is going well. Quick commercial break. Get right back to the show about money. Hi, Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. Stephen. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. Show's all about. I'm Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. Good golly. Life flies by. It really does. It's amazing. I cannot believe I've been working on Bay Street for over two decades. Um, and you know, I've always done when I went to Bay Street, I always found people who had multi decades of experience. And well, I got real close to them uh, and spent a lot of time with them on the phone. Probably drove them nuts every now and then with all my stupid questions. But uh, that's how you learn. Uh, find good mentors. Uh, Don Velo, uh, you were one of my mentors, still are. That's why I bring you on the show. Uh, and it's a real pleasure to get your perspective on the world of money. Um, where shall we continue? Uh, it's an interesting time, Don. Uh, it really, really is. You, you see such areas of optimism and strength and some areas of, oh, it doesn't look so good. In other words, um, I mentioned the Canadian banks across the board. <laughs> they, look, they don't look so good. You said they bottom you out, and I, I think you're probably right. Um and as such, the TSX is, is languishing. We are not in a bull market here at home. Uh, the Dow Industrials, I don't believe, is, is up off the bottom by 20%. But the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 are in academically stated bull markets. Um, do you care? Does that matter to you, Don? 
you know, if we are in a, you know, accepted bull market, uh, does, does that give, you, give us any wind at our back or is that headwind? Yeah, what you want to do is watch these sentiment indicators uh, very closely because they can give you a, a, an idea of when markets are overbought or when they're oversold. Right now, uh, both Canadian and U.S. equity markets are overbought. They have, they have some good news coming your way from the earnings reports over the next couple of weeks. But be careful right now because when they're overbought, you know they're going to have a better opportunity to uh, uh, go back into these markets at lower prices. And what I'm suggesting here is that uh, now is not a good time to be a major buyer unless you're a very, very short-term trader, and I don't recommend that. From an investment point of view, you've had a huge run. You've had a good opportunity, a good increase in the value of your portfolio during the last few weeks. Uh, for now, good time to go on holidays and just kind of enjoy and wait until the markets come back to would, a would you, Let me ask this. Would you be selling stock at these levels? From a trading point of view, uh, the answer is yes. Okay, from an uh, investing point of view? No, in this case, we're looking for markets to have a short, shallow correction coming into next. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Don. Oh, and how much of a correction do you, do you anticipate? Five to ten percent. I bet you're going to say. Oh, well, actually, maximum. I'm looking for five percent. Maximum five to the downside. So I say so difficult to don't call don't a friends don't even try to trade it. So Don warned you, choppy market. Accept it for yeah. what it is. Don't try to get cute. Because trust me, I promise you, I promise you, you'll screw it up. Uh, yeah, you, mentioned, you mentioned the banks it. there, and then uh, Don touched on it. You know, they're starting to show bottoming patterns. Mm-hmm. So that is what the technicals really show. The fundamentals have not turned yet. The the, the story behind the banks hasn't really turned, but the charts and the price action, and that's what yeah, that's, Don, that's yep. what Don really picks up on. And yep. you, when you say coming out of the gate, Wolf, you said I follow the charts. I want to listen yep. to cues to the market. That's what Don is actually doing. I, you know, in the Canadian financial sector, um, Don really is. Well, a, no, Don, is, but they haven't turned up yet. They, they're they're trying they're, to form yeah, bottom, but there's no confirmation. That for, found yeah, bottom. but that's what he's looking for. He's right, and they're starting to show signs of it. Sure, but correct, the, correct, Don yeah. is really a seasonal guy. We know that. We've had him on the show a number of times. How? What do you think of copper from a seasonal perspective, Don? Actually, a really good question. Historically, copper uh, has its best period of seasonal strength from uh, late September right through until usually until the first quarter of the year. Right now, we, uh, on a technical basis, we're starting to show some early signs of copper and copper stocks trying to bottom. In fact, uh, just on Thursday of this week, we had a number of, of uh, base metal stocks and their uh, exchange-traded funds show short-term breakouts. I'm talking about uh, the uh, XBM, that's a TF, TSX or a, uh, ETF in Canada, which trades based on base metal stocks. In the case of U.S., the symbol is PICK. You know, a nice breakout on Thursday. Yeah, we on that. Last week. We're on them both. And, yeah. Uh, so we're starting to see some early signs that the seasonality for base metals and base metal stocks is starting to recover quite nicely. In fact, I was looking at a chart today. The symbol is on this one. It's an ETF, actually an exchange traded. Uh, uh, not a. It's an exchange traded note. The symbol is DBB. It's a one-third copper, one-third zinc, and one-third aluminum. It's basically a commodity hold, holding. And it had a nice and beautiful uh, base building pattern and just broke out on Thursday of, uh, of uh, last week, showing that the base mill prices are finally starting to show some a nice recovery. They look, they look like an excellent trade between now and the end of this year. What about the timber stocks, uh, Don? They, they, they woke up uh, with, the, with the wildfires spreading and home builders roaring. Uh, do you think there's any room left in, in timber? Excellent idea, or excellent question. Uh, first of all, the seasonality is not in favor of that sector right now, but I'm looking at the charts, and particularly at it, there's an ETF in the States, the symbol is W-O-O-D, which, track, which tracks the, uh, the big uh, uh, North American uh, lumber stocks. 
and it just completed a nice little base building pattern, and it started to move on the upside as well. So, so that's another one that you want to own between now and the end of this year. Now, so, Don, I want, to, I want to come back to uh, your fantastic seven. I'm going to call them the group of seven, uh, the Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Google, NVIDIA. Uh, Apple, uh, excuse me, um, Google and Meta are still well off their previous peaks. Likewise, Amazon, those three stocks, off their previous peaks uh, that were set in March in COVID. Uh, again, last year left for dead, so huge correction. Uh, do you think, um, because because I, I'm going to say I think so, uh, do you think Amazon makes a new all-time high? Do you think Google makes a new all-time high? Do you think Meta makes a new all-time high within the next 18 months? And I'm going to say I believe they will. What do you think, Don? Uh, it's a good question. They've had some huge runs. Yeah, and they, and they had uh, big corrections, so, you know, both. Uh, let me give you an example. I'm looking at uh, the chart off on Meta. Yeah. Uh, it bottomed in November last year at $88, mm-hmm. and it's currently trading at $315. Mm-hmm. It's been a huge move, and on a short-term basis, uh, all the moving averages say that it's, it's hugely overbought. Now, after saying that, there's no indication that it's stopped going up yet. But just to be aware that on a, uh, from, a, from a trading point of view, it's, it definitely uh, these stocks are getting a little ahead of themselves. I still think it could be an opportunity later. Uh, if we get a bit of a correction in this group, they could be buying opportunities a little bit farther down the road. But right now, they are way overbought. They, they are, and I do agree with you. But the only thing, I, I still have that gravitational pull to the previous peaks. Um, I still think Amazon will be at an all-time high within within two years. And therefore, the upside for Amazon within two years is still at least 25%. Okay, I don't have my charts in front of me, but I know it's about 25% off its peak. I'm going to say the same with uh, Guggen, uh, Guggenheim, I shall call Google. Uh, and 25% two years sounds like about 12.5% a year. Better than the S&P 500, but right in line with the S&P 500. I don't think there's anything wrong with that investment. Um, would you agree with that statement, Don? Well, the approach they take on on the uh, uh, the group of seven is uh, you don't you shouldn't be selling them because they they still have a, an amazing uh, technical uh, outlook going forward. But you may want to wait until they correct a bit until they get back to a more reasonable level. Say from a, yeah, for a good example, looking at Amazon right now, the uh, it's currently trading at one hundred thirty four dollars. If it uh, has a correction, it could go down to um, its 50-day moving average, which is about $121. At that point, it probably would be an excellent buy. Yeah, but what's the all-time high in Amazon? Yeah, the all-time high for Amazon is uh, 188.21. Yeah, so about 50 bucks away from where it is. So, do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to flirt with that old high in the next two years? Next two years? Well, that's possible. Sure. I think so. That that's, that would be sort of my bet, hence investment. Uh, well, we're long the stock. Uh, easy to say when it's rising. When it rolls over, I'll start kicking myself. And they are cyclical. I put my toe in the water uh, in a stock I've been watching for a long time, and that's Hershey. Uh, boring as heck. Um, but, boy, is it good. <laughs> it's remarkable. So it had a little pullback. Uh, I put my toe in the water. It's probably going to pull back a little bit more. And we'll see. I may have melted it. Uh, it was a safe place to hide. And in a strong recovering economy, that's not where you want to be. But uh, barbell. Barbell. It's a very good example. I'm looking at the chart on Hershey, and, and it's, it has done what I think the, uh, the Magnificent Seven will do. Are going to do I, exactly. That's why I bring that one up. It's a fun time. Uh, we're productive. We're making money. That's all that matters. And clients are happy. That's the most important thing. Don Velo, market technician, uh, very, very dear friend of mine, one of my mentors when I began on Bay Street back in around 2000. Boy, that was a fun bull market, bear market to begin with. Uh, and it ended. The bull market began. And well, guess what? We're in a bull market right now and it's just begun. And a lot of people are doubting it. 
And that's what makes it go higher. Trust me, when everyone's in, it's over. And that is not the case. That's optimism. Have a great weekend, Don. Friends at home, Hi-Fi Radio. Let your friends know. It's a show to help you have more wealth. Happy birthday, Kim. Uh, may you rock on stage and kick around a few uh, beach balls. Right? See, you at the key. <laughs> See you at the key. All the best, my good friends. Have a good one. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week.